What's up, Melanated family? How's everybody doing out there, man? This is a brand new episode of the Melanated Combo Podcast. I'd like to thank everybody for tuning in to the show. I'm happy to be here. This is episode 42, and we're definitely in the building. If this is your first time tuning into the show, my name is Harrison. What we do here is a few things. I, I go over news stories, different things that have been taking place in the Melanated community over the past week or two. Sometimes it'll touch on politics. Sometimes it'll touch on religious factions. Sometimes it'll be about entertainment. Sometimes it'll be about, you know, just everything we have to deal with here in this society. I also touch on black businesses. That's a real big part of what I do is talking about black businesses, sometimes local businesses, but typically it's a business that can reach anyone in the country. So anyone who's listening to me will be able to have access to that business and the services that they offer. Also on the show, we always have a topic. So we have a, a specific topic rooted in the same thing. Now, of course, because my big, my bigger platform is called uh, Melanated Fathers of America, which is about fatherhood and about advancing fatherhood. It's about um, uh, teaching fathers about history and getting them to, to know who they are internally. And in my opinion, when you dig deep and know who you are internally, know who your people are, get rooted in that it'll help you just be a better man in return you'll see the value of starting your family the right way you'll see you'll see the value of 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 creating resources in a structured environment to hopefully bring generational wealth to your family right so we talk about businesses we talk about a specific topic then we talk about the different news stories again if this is your first time tuning into the show this is the melanated combo podcast if you're watching it on youtube Please hit the like button. Please hit the share button. If you're watching one of the clips on Facebook, please do the same thing. You can find the show on Spotify. You can pretty much find the show everywhere podcasts are provided, all the DSPs, you know what I mean? So if you want to go to Spotify, if you want to go to iTunes, wherever you want to go to find a podcast, you can definitely find the show there. So I'm definitely happy to be with everybody today. Also, if you've never visited my platform, my platform, which is Melanated Fathers of America. Please go to melanatedfathers.com. Check out the platform. Uh, um, check out the news articles. Check out the History Matters section, where we talk a lot about the different aspects of history, different times, places, and things that are taking place in the Melanated community. So check that out. Also on the website, you'll find like a book of the month. Uh, uh, get, gaining knowledge through reading is an extremely has been an extremely important part of my life. So I like to infuse that into the community. I think if young men can begin reading early, um, it'll not only do wonders for your vocabulary, but just your knowledge in, in, in general, right? So please check that out again. That's Melanated Fathers of America, you feel me? So let's get everything started, family. First thing we're gonna do is go over these businesses. Like I said, the health of my community, the amount of times money circulates through our community, I feel isn't enough. So it's important for all of us um, to do our due diligence as far as supporting black businesses. Now again, that can be shopping with a local black business, that can be taking time when you get paid, when you get money, taking the necessary time to find a black business in your area that you can support after you support them. Make sure you tell people if you don't like the product or if the product wasn't sufficient to your likings in that particular moment, don't go on social media and bash them. And the reason why I say that is because we get fucked over a lot from all type of businesses. You can go to an Asian store. You can go to your nearest Walmart. We go to all these different places. And, and at times, we've had issues with these companies. And from what I understand and from what I've seen, most of the time, we don't just cut them off. Most of the time, we, we make provisions and make excuses for why they fucked us up or get over it and then go back and shop with them, right? So sometimes we have this mentality where when you buy something from somebody black and they don't get it right 
all of a sudden your attitude is this is why I don't shop with black folks. Niggas are always doing you wrong. All this negative shit when a lot of us are just getting infused into the, 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 the structural res uh, regimens of business. So sometimes you got to give people a minute to kind of build and get an understanding of um, how to do things for their particular constituents the best they can you know what I mean and that's not that doesn't always happen overnight and again we we frequent bigger businesses that that constantly fuck us over in different facets and we don't just write them off so it's important that we don't just write off our people we take the time to get a, 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 a clear understanding of what's going on so if you buy a product or service from somebody that's black and you don't like it Right? It's okay because you're spending your hard-earned money with them. It's okay for you not to think the product is sufficient, but it's in, extremely important that you tell them in the correct way. Like it's sometimes we be way too combative when all we had to do was send them a quick email. All we had to do was call the number they posted, some way of contacting them and let them know, hey, this wasn't right for whatever reason. And in most cases, you'll you'll be able to uh, rectify the situation with them, right? But going into it with a better attitude is always beneficial to all of us, right? So let's get into it, family. The first black business, the first black business that I want to talk about. Talked about them last week, right? I'm I'm a melanated man that only has sons. I have five sons, so I I can't necessarily relate to um, a mother or a father who has a young black child, that a young black girl rather and that has to do her hair. Like the difficulties of braiding a girl's hair, washing a girl's hair, I have no idea um, how difficult that can be. However, I do know the importance of making our kids feel like they're special. I do know the importance of, of, of allowing your natural hair to breathe, like allowing your natural hair to take course and not throwing all these goddamn chemicals in it once you decide you don't want to comb it or once you decide you don't want to braid it. You know what I mean? I know in our society, beauty is connected to our hair and that's just not for black people, but that's for a lot of races of people. But because our hair is more coarse, because our hair is more um, set up to thrive in environments that, are, that aren't cold, right? Our hair is kind of set up to be in highly um, heated environments just so we can deal with all the climates of the weather or whatever. Sometimes we have to do our shit a little bit differently, right? So this company... Healthy Roots Dolls, because growing up, what I am aware of, growing up, many of the black girls I was around, many of the melanated kids I was around, when it came to a little girl getting a doll or, 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 or getting a representation of something that was beautiful, a lot of times that was given to her as a white doll, right? And, uh, many of you are familiar with a test they done back in the 70s and 80s where they would show a black kid a white doll and a black doll and ask the black kid which one is more beautiful. Nine times out of seven times out of ten, I think the black kid will point to the white doll, right? So it's, it's, um, I think it, uh, some of this has to do with the, um, conditioning that's been placed on us in this country just as far as the beauty standards right if you live in america for the most part the beauty standards are kind of situated to be a white woman blonde hair real skinny all these type of things knowing that in reality most women are like between sizes eight and ten or something like that most women are a little bigger most women they hell is kidding you know what i mean so the social norms that we've come under in this country some of this shit needs to be redefined, especially for our people, right? So if you have a young black girl, I recommend going to Healthy Roots Dolls, right? Healthy Roots Dolls. And what they say about their company is Healthy Roots Dolls is a toy company that creates dolls and storybooks that empower young girls and represent the beauty of our diversity. 65% of the world's population has curly or curly slash wavy hair. 
In 2016, Dove conducted a study and found that only four out of 10 girls love their curly hair. Now, toys impact how we think, act, and perceive ourselves. So when girls can't find dolls that look like them, it negatively impacts their self-esteem, which I definitely agree with. Now, that's why they created Zoe, the first Healthy Roots doll. They go beyond just painting a doll brown. They create an educational play experience with curl care. Now, Healthy Roots dolls have a medley of facial features, skin tones, and hair textures that can be styled in countless ways. Our dolls have multiple interests and aspirations, which exposes young girls to their own unlimited career potential. Our goal is to represent the voices of young girls in the toy industry with products that empower, educate, and inspire, excuse me, and empower, and empower, educate, and inspire self-love, which I, I am all for, I am all for. I think this is the mentality that all of us need to take, um, excuse me, when creating a product or service for our people, attempting to empower us and attempting to infuse things that haven't been there before, to me, is how we move our society forward. So I really appreciate this sister for creating this line. Now, our mission is to bring curl power to the toil aisle with products that reflect the diversity of our reality. If you go to the website, you can get a doll. The doll is there available. You can also get Healthy Roots e-coloring book, right? So I'm sure you have, you know, of a birthday that's coming. Um, Christmas, so even though I don't fuck with Christmas like that, Christmas is coming. So if you still celebrate Christmas, this is a great Christmas gift for any young girl in your life. Um, thinking about getting my niece and my granddaughter uh, one of these dolls, just a great representation of who we are as a people. So shout out to these sisters for creating this brand. Again, it's HealthyRootsDolls.com. That's HealthyRootsDolls.com. If you buy the doll, please tell people about it. Please tweet about it. Please put it on Facebook. Like I said before, we, we use, in my opinion, we use our social media um, for a lot of frivolous shit at times when we could be using it to, not all of us, but some of us, right? So we could be using this to empower our people. We can be using social media to empower the people around us, to inform the people around us. So that's one way you can do that is by when you buy a product from somebody black, tell everybody. Go online, give a review. If you don't like the service, because there's so few melanated businesses, in my opinion, if you don't like the service, I would recommend trying to contact them directly, right? Opposed to going online and talking shit about the service or the product. That, in my opinion, that's going to hurt us all at the end of the day. Now, I'm not a proponent of just supporting a black business because they're black. Like I always say, the qualifying factor is you're black, meaning you have a qualified product and service that I can get anywhere else. The tiebreaker goes to you because you look like me. So we... we most of us work extremely hard for our money. We don't want to throw our money away. So we're not going to just support somebody just because you're black, but it's black and you have a product and service that I can use. You're professional. The price is right. All those things need to be taken into consideration, right? All right, so let's go. Now, um, yeah, so that's Healthy Roots Dolls. And, I, and, and I'm happy I had some people reach out to me last week because I talk about all of my black businesses two weeks in a row on the show. You know what I mean? So I had some sisters reach out to me last week that mentioned how they, they ordered the doll and their daughters liked the doll, and that just made my heart warm. And I'm, the whole point of this show in general is to empower melanated people. The whole point of talking about these businesses, even if you don't see a business that I talk about that has a product that you find interesting, fine. The idea 
is to find a black business that has products and services that you find interesting. The amount of money that we make in this country, the amount of money that we spend with people outside of our community is absurd, right? So if we can begin to kind of um, infuse those funds back into our community, we can do a lot with that. Not just with building up our communities with businesses, but we can use that money ultimately to um, influence politicians and different things like that. I'm going to get into some stories a little earlier about Donald Trump, about um, Breonna Taylor, about Charles Barkley, all these different things that's been going on. And as a society, man, we need money to make changes. We like to march and do all these things that are um, that we've done traditionally to make changes. And I don't know if those are the correct ways to go about getting the changes that we want today in 2020, right? One thing I know for sure, if we have money together and we have money and togetherness, we can then begin to um, figure out how to use that money to get what we want in society. That's just my opinion, right? So go to HealthyRootsDolls.com, HealthyRootsDolls.com today. Get one of the dolls for a young lady in your family. I'm sure she'll appreciate it. Now, next news story. Let me see here. I'm sorry, next business. What's this here? Oh, so next business in my city. And again, normally, like I said, I don't like to do um, local businesses only because that that um, removes the ability for people outside of my community to reach those businesses. But I had to talk about this business because um, what they're doing is unprecedented. Now, in other cities, you may have businesses like this as well. If you do, please let me know. I'll talk about them on the show. But here in Sacramento, California, where I'm from, we have a business structure called the African Marketplace, which is at 2251 Florin Road, if there's anybody from Sacramento listening. And basically what this is, is this is a business structure that has several black businesses inside of it. You can find a beauty salon. You can find an attorney in there. Of course, you can find food in there. You can find somebody that sells glasses. There's a little church there. There is... Um, a little convenience store inside. Of course, you have different melanated people who sell incense, who sell um, different black products for your hair. So it's, it's, it's like a complete black community infused into this parking lot. And I see the potential in it, right? I see the potential that maybe over time, this can become something that not all cities are just mimicking, but it can it can get, get larger. Because right now, I think it's maybe 15, 20 businesses, maybe a little more than I, I'm My number may be off a little bit, but ultimately, this is, to me, the beginning of like a Black Wall Street, y'all. That's why I'm so excited about it. That's why I make sure I tell everybody in Sacramento, Sacramento that I know about it because this is a centralized location where you can go and get products and services sold by only black folks. Now, the plaza is open every day of the week, I think, and there are stores there every day of the week, but primarily it's every Monday, I'm sorry, every first and third Saturday. Every first and third Saturday, if you go to 2251, um, 2251 Florin Road, that's where you'll find uh, the African Marketplace. I've been there to shop, but I've also been there for lectures. I've been there to get food. I've been there for different type of events. They do a lot of things for our community from this little spot. So I think it's important that all of us in our city, especially if you're in Sacramento, I think it's important that all of us um, get a clear understanding of how important it is to support our people family. And like I always say, if you are into being a revolutionary, 
If you don't like the Breonna Taylor shit, if you don't like the different injustices that we have to go through as melanated people in this country, I fuck with that. I feel the same way. You know what I mean? But the question will always become, because we can try to rely on these politicians and the political structure to kind of help us out and put us in a better position, but sometimes I'm beginning to feeling like this shit is all on us, y'all. Like, we got to figure out a way to get us out of these predicaments ourselves. And one of those ways is supporting black businesses and building up the economy of your people specifically, like other races of people do. Now, of course, other races of people haven't had to deal with the systematic setbacks that we have, but at the end of the day, we still got to continue to try to move forward, right? At the end of the day, we still got to, try to make the best out of what we have. And I know money is something that we actually have. Like the amount of money that we spend, like I said earlier, the amount of money that we spend in this country is absurd. Now I'm not comparing us to other races of people because I know they spend more, or they spend the same, fuck all that. What we spend is a lot, and I see a lot of brothers in Jordans, see a lot of brothers with, 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 with rims, there's a lot of materialistic shit that we get and that's fine. Like I'm not telling you I'm not the police of your goddamn money, but we need to try to infuse some of those funds back into our community. So if you go to the African Marketplace, if you Google it on your phone, you'll be able to find the, the, the directions. But again, if you're in Sacramento, it's 2251 uh, uh, Florin Road. If you're in any other city and you have a version of the African Marketplace, send me that thing, man. Send me a picture. Send me some information about it so I can begin to promote it. So I can let people know in your city how important it is to, a, to attend um, something like that. And again, at this particular location, there are always events to be attended at this particular location. Um, um, they had like a Juneteenth celebration. So for me, living in Sacramento, this is the only place I've seen that um, treats black empowerment in this particular way. So it's an ex it's extremely a great environment like to go to this environment and be around so many people who of like minds is an amazing thing you feel me so everybody in sacramento if you haven't been before again first and third saturdays is how you can get the most out of the experience there please go to the african marketplace check out what they do um i'm sure you'll be satisfied make sure you take pictures make sure you Share it on Instagram, share it on Facebook, like I was saying a little bit earlier, just so we can get the word out there and make sure everybody around our city is well aware of what we have to offer. You feel me? Now, let's get into the news stories, family. A lot of shit going on in our community, you know what I mean? Like always, you know what I mean? And like I said, my, my news stories lately has been kind of about police brutality and what cops do to us, and that's not going to be the case all the time, y'all. But I'm passionate about what goes on with us. I'm passionate about seeing change in our community. So when I see particular things happen to us, I have to say something about it. You know what I mean? And I try to inform myself as much as I can on these issues so I won't come on here and sound stupid or I won't come on here and misinform you guys. But we need to talk about it. All of us need to be talking about this shit. You feel me? So let's get it going, family. In the Brianna, uh, the Brianna, um, hold on one second. Okay, no, no, I got it. In the Breonna Taylor case. Now, everybody is, um, I'm sure by now, everybody is aware of what is taking place in the Breonna Taylor case. Um, basically, the grand jury um, announced, now this is based on, I need everybody to understand this, and I'm going to get into this a little bit later. This is based on the, the prosecutor's recommendation, Daniel Cameron, which is a brother, 
So we, we, we have to be completely contextual about what's going on here. So the prosecutor recommended to the grand jury that the charges that should be brought upon those gentlemen, out of all three or four of them that was there, the only one that will be um, indicted is Brent Hankinson for firing recklessly into the neighbor's apartment. So not into Brianna's apartment, but into the neighbor's apartment. And he was hit with something called wonton endangerment. Wonton just meaning deliberate or unprovoked, right? So wonton endangerment. And basically under Kentucky law, a person commits that crime when he or she wontonly engages in conduct, which creates a substantial danger of death or serious physical injury to another person and does so under circumstances manifesting extreme indifferences to the value of human life. Other states may use the term like reckless endangerment for equivalent offenses, for equivalent offenses, just to give you guys kind of a roundabout of what actually took place. Now, now uh, the FBI is still investigating, so the other three officers who were involved could possibly face charges from the FBI, right? But here's the thing, family. I'm, it's completely disheartening to see a ruling like this come down but we have to be honest, like I'm, if the cops involved in this shooting would have been charged with like first degree murder, second degree murder, I would have been shocked family. Looking at past cases, looking at what we've had to deal with in this country, I would have been shocked. You see what I'm saying? And I look at all the moving parts, right? Because again, um, the three other officers involved were not charged at all. We're, we're looking at the semantics of the case and of course what the law in the Kentucky is basically saying the boyfriend Kenneth Walker I think his name was Kenneth Walker he fired uh, a shot when they broke down his door now once he fired the shot their law states the cops lives was in danger and they at that point had a right to fire and hit him right but here's the thing family when we look at the details of this uh, of, of this case for one when they knocked at the door they had a no-knock warrant then it was changed right let's be clear they had a no-knock warrant then it was changed to they had to knock so here's where I disagree right because I'm not one and none of us should be at a point where every time something happened involving somebody black in the police or somebody black and somebody white to say that it's a racist incident or to say that the people involved didn't mean us no good now I'm here to say in my opinion most of the time that's the case, but we need to be clear, right? So when we look at this situation, they knock at the door and they interviewed, I think, a dozen people. Let, let's be clear here. They're, they interviewed a dozen people and only one person said they heard the officers knock. So here's the scenario to me. You knock on my door. Me and my girl get up to see who at the door. She say, who is it? She say, who is it again? Now, I know, and this is my strong opinion, if they would have said, this is the police department, and they would have heard them say to police, ain't no way he would have took, ain't no way he would have shot. Because he only shot once, was a, which was a warning shot. He only shot once. If they would have said, this is the police coming, this is the police, open up, they would have just opened the door and saw what the police wanted. It wouldn't have been no shooting from 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 Kenneth's perspective, in my opinion, right? But let's look at the scenario, family. They because again, the prosecutors 
and the investigators in this case, in my opinion, they're all on the same team. So they're going to say what they need to say to get their officers off because conveniently there was no cameras. The officers had no cameras on. There was no surveillance nowhere, right? So conveniently, there's no proof of what actually took place. So we have to take these officers' word for it, right? So when they knock on the door, 12 people, one out of 12 people that they interviewed said they heard the cops say, there's cops at the door. They heard the cops say police. And to my understanding, that one person could have been coerced a little bit. You know what I mean? So imagine this happening. Yo, yo, the, your door come off of the hinges and you have a legal firearm in the house because this is a legal carry state where a young man had a legal firearm in the house. So he has a legal firearm in the house and he shoots one time. What would anybody do in that situation? If you're in a situation where you don't hear a cop say, it's the cops open up, that's the cops fault. If you don't say it's the cops open up and I just hear you break down my door and I have a legal firearm, who the fuck wouldn't shoot, especially in this country, right? Especially understanding how the politics and how everything works in this country, you shooting. White men have guns and they practice their Second Amendment rights to the fullest degree, right? We should do the same thing. So to me, this is just a situation of a young brother practicing his Second Amendment rights. You break down my door, I'm shooting, right? So you break down the door and shoot. I shoot one time. You guys follow it 30-some rounds after, right? You guys shoot 30-some odd times. Now, the, the, the officer, Brent Hankinson, it was proven that he shot 10 times, and none of his shots hit Breonna Taylor. It was from the other officer's guns. But imagine this, family. Somebody break down your goddamn door, right? Somebody break down your goddamn door, and you have a firearm, you shooting that thing, period, right? So everything, all, all the specifics of this case is just mind-boggling when you look at it. Because when we talk about wonton endangerment let's talk about wonton endangerment which is basically it wontonly in engages in conduct which creates substantial danger of death or serious physical injury to another person isn't that what they did to brianna taylor by just shooting in the house right so they shoot through the house brent hankinson shoot through the house wildly he went like to the patio or something and he's just shooting what if brianna taylor's sister was home who actually lived there right what if what if she had a baby that was home and was in one of the rooms what if she had family that was over, right? So how irresponsible for these cops who are trained. These are trained police officers. They fucked up. That's what happened. That's what happened. Yes, they had a warrant to be there because her ex-boyfriend supposedly was a drug dealer and they were there because her name was listed on an indictment, which I don't even think that should have been the case, but fine. Let's say her name was, was on an indictment excuse me, a couple blocks up or a little bit of ways, they did the same type of sting operation on the ex-boyfriend's house and they caught him with drugs and guns and all this kind of shit. But when they broke down her door and ended up killing her, they didn't find no drugs. They didn't find nothing there, right? So in my opinion, these cops acted recklessly. They acted recklessly and irresponsibly. And to me, the antithesis of them acting this way is who they were confronting. She was considered, this is another point, Brianna Taylor's apartment, uh, as a part of this so-called sting operation, was considered a soft target. A soft target is somebody that's not a threat. A soft target is somebody that's not going to hurt you like that. You know what I mean?
but you, sh but you, you break down her door without her hearing you. What is anybody in their right mind gonna do? Because we have political pundits and assholes like Candace Owens talking about the boyfriend was a criminal. What the boyfriend was a criminal. They're all always trying to hype up this criminal element when it comes to us when it comes to them doing some some egregious shit to us they're always trying to hype up the criminal element but the bottom line the facts is she was an emt she was an essential worker in these hard times that we're going through right now if you want to play that card she was an essential worker who got assassinated that's what actually happened that's what actually happened and then when you look more into the case daniel cameron and this be and this is an ongoing problem that we have in the melanated community. People who look like us, and we assume because we vote in a politician who looks the way that we look, we assume that they're that they're gonna have our back specifically, that they're going to look at our best interests first and not align themselves with the institution that they've made themselves a part of, right? Keep it in mind that, that, that this Daniel Cameron guy is a law and order guy. Like he believes in strong policing and things of this nature. He's one of Trump's dudes, right? Not to say that can be a negative thing, but when you add everything up, it kind of feels like it because from my understanding, he had to present the grand jury would what charges to be indicted on if he would have presented them with charges for the other officers to be indicted on whatever charges he wanted to say we, we wouldn't we wouldn't be talking about this right now the reason why the only thing we're looking at is the wonton endangerment is because this is what he presented to the grand jury so you have to ask yourself why did the brother do this? Why did he take this softball effect? And before he even started talking, when he had his press conference, before he even started talking, he was setting us up for the bullshit. You know what I mean? He was setting us up for, I know black people are going to be happy. I know there's celebrities and other people in the community want something to be different, but this is how we do it in Kentucky. All this bullshit, right? When asked about how was the grand jury selected, he fumbled his words. When asked about other parts of the case that we need to know as far as the prosecution why weren't other people prosecuted he fumbled in his words he didn't really have nothing to say you know what i mean when i see shit like that family that makes me think man you aligned with people who don't look like us right so when it comes time to vote this dude in again or when it comes time to get to unseat this guy the kentucky attorney general Daniel Cameron, we need to look long and hard at who we elect as our officials. Just because they black, like they say, all skin folk ain't kin folk. It don't mean he gonna be on our side just because he black. We need damn near revolutionary thinking black people in office. Black people who aren't afraid to go against the status quo and say, fuck my possible ascension in politics when it comes to being fair to my people and saying what's and speaking truth to power you know what i mean because this this dude is the reason for what we see y'all like we can get mad at the cops yeah we can get mad at different factions of law enforcement but this black man had the option of changing the course of history if he would have charged these officers with first degree murder because the bottom line is if we're gonna do the wonton endangerment shit Breonna Taylor was one time endangered. God damn it. Wasn't she? And again, what if her... So how irresponsible is that? If you shoot 40... If somebody shoot at you one time. One time. And you shoot 40 times? 37, 40 times? What are we thinking? Do you have the trust of the public in your hands? You guys are walking around carrying...
legit pistols with government backing, you should be held at a higher standard than all of us. You feel me? You should be held at a higher standard than all of us, family. Fuck that shit. So Daniel Cameron, you got a lot of explaining to do, man. And I'm tired of these black folks who look like me and there's no empowerment there. There's no unification there. We need to realize that there's a large amount of black people in our society who really don't give a fuck about unifying black people, who really don't give a fuck about um, empowering us and putting us in a position where we don't have to go through some of this shit no more. A lot of black people that I talk to, they're defending this shit. Well, if you knew more about Breonna Taylor case, you would know that he can't charge him because I call it, I call that shit white explaining. I call that shit white explaining. When you explaining some shit about why we can't get our justice, but justice gets handed down on us swiftly all the time. All the time. So I'm not going to believe that this district attorney, that I'm sorry, this attorney general, this black man, didn't choose to make the case the way he did. There was, there was an internal investigation from all the proof in the, in the internal investigation. This is what he came up with. But how much did he actually investigate? That's what we got to ask ourselves. How much did he actually investigate? How much did he actually put into seeing if these officers need to be charged? So I'm not going with none of that shit. This black man could have made a difference in our community. He could have set a precedence in our community by charging this goddamn dude. All of them should have been charged, right? Because even Brent Hakenson, he's facing up to five years in prison for the wonton endangerment, and we all know how that shit go. He get 85% of that with good time. He's out in two years. So where's the justice here, right? And, and I know sometimes it feels like this is all we're talking about. Like we still screaming for justice. We still screaming for equality. But what the fuck are we supposed to do? Just forget about it? Just stop talking about it all together? You see what I'm saying? Now, even though I understand the people who are marching who are righteous, I understand their perspective to a degree. But even marching, because look, We've been marching for a hundred something days for Breonna Taylor. We've been marching for a hundred something days to see the cops get prosecuted, burning shit up, uh, uh, causing a lot of ruckus throughout the country, making people aware. But at the same time, this is the result we get. Right. So maybe it's time for us as melanated people to begin to take a different approach to solving some of these problems. Yes. We need the political structure. Um, while living in this country, we can't negate the fact that politics play a big role in what we see and who we vote in and all these different things. So paying attention to our local elections needs to happen for all of us, including myself. But at the end of the day, we need to figure out a different way to combat racism. Like we need to figure out a different way to combat the injustices that have been happening to us for years. Because marching and protesting, unfortunately, family, we may be done with that shit because I'm tired of seeing us do all the marching and the protesting and the shit still say the same. The, the, the shit still say the same. No, it's not affecting anything, right? It's not affecting anything, right? So when it's time to, to vote in an attorney general, all of us should do our due diligence on how we can play a role in affecting who the next attorney general is. It's for all of our states. This ain't just for Kentucky because a motherfucker gets snipped in California or other states and have to go through this same thing, the attorney general is going to be the one bringing about the charges in the prosecution, right? 
So we need people who think like us. We need people who are really about being fair. People who aren't in the back pocket of police unions or aren't in the position to be the next senator or in the position to move up the ladder in politics so they stay in fuck whoever they got to step on to get there. You see what I'm saying? So this is unfortunate. But I think this is going to continue to happen until we figure out a different way to approach these problems. Voting the right people in, uh, doing things that actually work. Uh, marching and protesting is a traditional move that I think we've been doing for a real long time. But looking at the results of this case and several cases before this, I don't think marching and protesting is the way we should, move, we should handle all of this shit moving forward. You feel me? So that's my opinion on that. And keep it in mind, like I said, uh, 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 there was no drugs in her house. There was no drugs in Breonna Taylor's house, so you can paint her as this drug kingpin who had a boyfriend who was a drug kingpin, but she was working, she was an EMT, to become an EMT, she had to go through a background check and all these things that would have checked her credentials to a degree, you see what I'm saying? She was a working woman just getting off of a 16-hour day shift and got murdered by the police. That's what actually happened. But as we see in these country, as we see in, these, uh, in, in this country, they can paint this shit however they want to. You see what I'm saying? When they inside of the system like that, they can paint this way, they can paint this shit however they want to. And all the black folks out there, and, and all the black folks out there telling me, well, you need to know the facts of the case. You need to know why they couldn't charge the cops. And that's all bullshit and rhetoric. When they want to charge us with some shit, they make up some shit. When they want to charge us with some shit, they create the law that needs to be in place to get us fucked up. You see what I'm saying? When Mike Vick got charged for that dogfighting shit, the dogfighting federal case he had. It wasn't even a federal crime to fight dogs in my, uh, at, at that particular time. They made that shit a federal crime for him. And I can go down the line of instances where they make it so we qualify to get charged. So don't talk to me about he, these cops couldn't have been charged. Fuck that. Yes, they could have been charged. Daniel Cameron ain't with us. That's what happened. Simple as that. That's what, because he was asked, basically, how did you pick the grand jury? How did y'all come up with the... He, could, he didn't want to talk shit about it. It's private. He's denying interviews. All this bullshit. His level of transparency was at zero. And why do you think that is? Why do you think? Do you think that's a happenstance that he was real secretive about how they came up with the goddamn de a decision? Didn't want to talk about it? When he came out, he knew he was on fuck shit. So he got the nigga explaining automatically. You know what I mean? So any politicians who don't mean black people there... Fuck y'all, man. Fuck that shit. This is why I don't have a lot of hope in politics as a system in this uh, uh, in this country because it always turns out this way for us. Always. You feel me? So let's move on, right? Let's move on to the next case. Now, speaking of politics, right, we'll go down the line. Speaking of politics, this past week, President Trump introduced what he called a uh, platinum plan, right? You're right. You're right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly it. Man, you know what I'm saying, bro? So we we are facing a uphill battle, man. I'm, I'm trying to give examples to make my point, but we need to be clear on who our enemies are clear. And I don't I'm, I'm never going to preach hate towards another race. Right. Like we don't we don't got time for that shit either. But the facts are the goddamn facts. We need to be clear about the facts and who we should be looking at. Right. So let's move forward. Donald Trump introduced his platinum plan, which you can, <laughs> which is almost like his plantation plan, right? Because what he said in his platinum, his platinum plan, 
I'll go over. President Donald Trump unveiled a plan aimed at winning over black Americans on Friday, less than two months before Election Day, largely expanding upon the existing economic-related initiatives the president established in his first term, right? The proposals include prosecuting the Ku Klux Klan and Antifa as terrorist organizations, making Juneteenth a federal holiday in efforts to bolster black economic prosperity. He was quoted as saying, if you vote Republican over the next four years, we will create three million new jobs for the black community, open 500,000 new black owned businesses, increase access to capital in black communities by 500 billion is what he says. The plan also calls for expanding opportunity zones, designating the Ku Klux Klan and Antifa as terrorist organizations, and creating a national clemency project to right wrongful prosecutions and to partner individuals who have reformed, right? So here's the thing. I am not a fan of Donald Trump or Joe Biden. Now, of course, I have Joe Biden, if you go to his, web, if you go to his website, he has a quote-unquote plan for black America as well, where it includes the advancement of economic mobility of African Americans and close the racial wave, the, the racial wealth gap, expand access to high-quality education and tackle racial inequity in our educational system, make far-reaching investments in, okay, fuck all that. Okay, look, so here's the thing. To me, to me, because currently Donald Trump is losing the black vote to Biden. To Biden. Mo most of us are more willing to vote for Biden than willing to vote than willing to vote for him, right? So to me, this platinum plan or this plantation plan is just more rhetoric. It's just more rhetoric. And this is why it's difficult for me to trust politicians because when I'm listening to him talk about this proposed plan, every other second every other second he's taking shots at Joe Biden. He's kind of comparing it to how the Democrats have fucked us over for years. And this whole Democratic Republic thing don't get confused by this shit, family. Black folks was Republicans at one time. So what? So what? I mean, in, in general terms, the Republican ideology has some things you may agree with. The Democratic ideology has some things I may agree with. But ultimately, my whole purpose of voting is for my interests, right? Like, what are my interests? They are, they are mentioning, now they're, they're hitting key points on what our interests are as black folks, but... During his first term, he spoke about some of this same shit. And, and, uh, and again, for me, it's just difficult to trust, right? Because I see black people tell me all the time, a lot of them, more than you would think, why we should support Donald Trump, right? Now, what do they go to when they say support Donald Trump? They talk about the unemployment rates for black people that are lower now, uh, which is bullshit. The employment rates were going down in numbers from Obama's term. So he's just capitalizing off of some shit Obama started. But he makes it sound, because he's a salesman and a politician, he makes it sound like it's some shit he created. When we talk about poverty, when we talk about black poverty and things of this nature, again, these are programs that he's backing to a degree, but these numbers were sliding down before he even got into office. Now, the, the First Step Act or the First Step Act that's designed to, to pardon all of these prisoners. Now, I see black folks who had a cousin or a brother who was pardoned by Trump during this, during his administration. And that makes them real emotional. So because of that, they feel Trump is the best person for the job. No, I still don't fuck with that. That's not pardoning to, to pardon 
what has it been so far? 6,000 people? 5,000 people? Now, on one hand, you can say, yeah, that's, that's cool. That's freeing black people. Well, what about overhauling the system in general, President Trump? The criminal justice system in general needs a complete overhauling. Now, yeah, saying the, the words black people and here's an agenda for black people, I don't give you no brownie points for doing that. Keep it in mind, Obama never did that. Obama never came out of his mouth where here is a black agenda, right? He never did that. We, we got to keep it real. And, and he did shit behind the closed doors that you probably won't agree with, like all politicians do. You know what I mean? So it's difficult for me to trust this dude when all the claims he's made about what he's done for us, if you do the research, you can find holes in all of those arguments. Now, giving money to HBCUs, again, that was something that was in place already. That was something that was heading in that direction already. He just, it just came on his desk. He just signed it. It ain't like some shit he created to do. It ain't like some shit he was his brainchild to help black folks. You see what I'm saying? So for me, um, I just can't trust Donald Trump. From his divisive rhetoric, and people will say, hey, don't look at the rhetoric, look at the policies. But rhetoric creates temperament. Rhetoric creates mentalities. Like how he's spoken, whatever audience he's in front of, that's who he's going to pander to, right? When we look at the Make, the make America Great Again shit, when we look at his, his political rallies that was almost like Klan rallies, where he would see somebody black yelling and say, 30, 40 years ago, we'd be stringing you up on a tree, or 30, 40 years ago, we'd be getting you out of here. His comments on it was in Charlotte, North Carolina, or, 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 or Charlottesville, where he said there's fine people on both sides. People who support him will say, no, you took his comments out of context. No. I read the whole, con I read the whole transcript. That's what he said. It's fine people on both sides not realizing that everybody there was on some fuck shit. At that particular rally, at that particular uh, uh, rally that they were having, because the Robert E. Lee statue was coming down, everybody in the building was there on some fuck shit. Everybody in the building was there militarizing themselves against who? If you white and you militarizing yourself, who are you going against? Don't make me act. Don't, you're not going to lie to me and make, and make me think it's the police you're going. No, no, no. It's not just the police you're going after. So, yeah, you want to, you want to, uh, uh, he said he's going to make the terrorist group. Ku Klux Klan and the terrorist group Antifa, what about the Democratic Party? Y'all fucking terrorist group too. Republican Party. Y'all a terrorist group too. The Proud Boys. I can go on and on about groups that you could consider a fucking terrorist group. Come on, man. So unfortunately, I don't want black people to get caught up in any of this rhetoric. It's two months before election time. Excuse me. And I vote independent. And as of right now today, excuse me, as of right now today, I'm not voting for Donald Trump or, or Joe Biden. I may just go behind that curtain and put in somebody's name. I may put in fucking Malcolm X. I may just put in any, any goddamn name that I want to at this point. You're not going to force me to vote. You're not going to pander to me to the point where I feel bad about not voting. Fuck that. Fuck that. We've been voting for a very long time. What has that gotten us substantial? Like, the small gains is cool, but 100 years of small gains? Where has it gotten us to this day? Right? We talking about Biden. We talking about Trump. We still getting killed. Who's gonna stop the police killing? Trump, in his speech, he thanked about thirteen police organizations. He thanked about thirteen. He the police is in his back pocket, man. 
the police is in his back pocket. He calling Black Lives Matter a terrorist organization. He say whatever the fuck he feels he needs to say at the moment. If a person did this to you, right? Let's just take it out of politics. Let's say you was in a relationship with somebody. And every time some shit popped off, they lied to you. Every time some shit popped off, they told you what you wanted to hear in the interim just to get their way. How would you feel about them? If every time y'all in a room with different people, he's, they're speaking to the sensibilities of that group of people. Is that a person that's going to be trustworthy? Right? Biden giving all this shit about what his plan is for black community, which is all hollow goddamn statements. But you ain't even apologize for the crime bill that you helped write. That, that infected my father, my actual father. That infected my brother. Like, the, the injustices that have happened from politicians, a lot of us have felt this shit directly from our family being affected by these three strikes laws. Our family being affected by the drug war. You know what I mean? And Trump stepping in and mentioning this small shit, he's going to change the First Step Act where the minimum sentencing for, for crack cocaine is being changed a little bit differently. This is some shit Obama started as well, changing the minimum sentencing for crack-related crimes opposed to cocaine. You know what I mean? So it's a whole bunch of confusing shit, but at the end of the day, I don't fuck with none of these motherfuckers, man. You're not going to force me to be involved in all this shit. And when I talk to somebody black about why I don't like Trump, you know what they tell me? So you're gonna the the, the Democrats have stop the stop the Democrat stop the Democrat and Republican shit, stop that shit. Do you know these motherfuckers go behind the curtain and have a beer together? Do you know they're friends? You know how Kamala can say Joe Biden's a racist and then be on his team? How can we trust any of them? How? How can we trust any of them? So in my opinion, as black folks, we need to organize together, get our money together. And go to politicians and say, hey, we're voting as a black. This is hopeful thinking like a motherfucker. Wishful thinking like a motherfucker, y'all. Everybody black, 40 million of us. Because, of course, people say we're not a monolith. We're going to be different. We're going to think, shit, how about we all get on the same page that how we've been treated in this country needs to stop? We may have different ideals on how to stop it, but we need to agree somewhere that how we've been treated in this country needs to stop. How we get treated in our school system, how we get treated by the police, how we get treated in politics, this shit needs to stop, right? Can we agree on that, right? So if we agree on that, then we can agree that we need to unify and we gather our money together, however many millions of dollars it is, and we vote as a block, similar to how the police unions do. We vote as a block. We all get together. We tell a politician, here's $20 million, $30 million, but you got to do our building. But uh, but you got to do our bidding. You creating your own little your own little black plan. This shit is cute, and I know you got some black people in your cabinet who supporting you. But I need to see results, player. I need to see results because again, the little money you gave for HBCUs, pardoning 500, 600, 6,000 people, however many people who actually pardoned with this First Step Act is a long way from um, removing. The, the, the systematic injustices that we face. And when the, the, the idea of defunding the police comes up, which, just so y'all know, defunding the police isn't necessarily, we're giving you, let's say, this is all hypothetical, let's say that you're giving the police force $20 million a year, whatever the case may be. This is not saying cut down their funding so now they ain't got a whole bunch of police cars, now they gotta wear old-ass police uniforms. It's not cutting down the, now it ain't gonna be police on the streets you cut down police you defund the police now they ain't gonna be able to police the high crime areas which will lead to more crime which will lead to more anarchy no 
How about, this is a wild ass idea, right? How about if there's a domestic violence call, a cop shows up that don't have a gun. If there's a domestic violence call, a cop shows up that may have a taser and no good ass karate, may have a knife or some mace or some shit like that. Let's say there's a mental ill person that's walking the streets. Why is a man with a gun showing up if there's a mental ill person walking the street? See, so there are several instances where we don't really need a man with a gun showing up. Have a counselor show up that has a gun in the car and no jujitsu or some shit, right? I'm getting sick of seeing cops just fuck us up. It's like eight or nine of y'all. Y'all be on some pussy shit to a degree. You should be, police officers should be trained for months on how to defend themselves. You can't be just a white kid that come out of high school, go to the training for six weeks, and now you got a goddamn gun policing my communities. So for one, you should be trained for weeks on end on how to defend yourself and how to defuse situations in different communities. Two, you should kind of be from the community you're policing. Imagine that, y'all. You have a white man who's from middle America, who's only seen us on TV. To him, we're T.I. and menace to society, right? He see the rappers, the gold chains, the gun, the drama, whatever the media, the, the media portrays. Then all of a sudden he gets a call and has to go to an all-black neighborhood. And to me, our energy, our melanin, we conduct ourselves differently in a lot of situations. We be high strung. We move a lot. We talking kind of loud. That shit don't mean you about to get harmed. That's just how we get down. You see what I'm saying? So if we had a cop from the neighborhood, and again, even some black cops beyond bullshit, that's a whole other topic. But if you had a cop from the neighborhood, maybe he knows Johnny. Maybe he know Johnny do this shit every Tuesday. He be tripping like this every Tuesday. You ain't got to shoot him. Call his mama. Sit him down. Have a conversation with us. Right? Because when we talk about crime in our cities, do police stop crime? Do they stop it? Like, do they prevent carjackings? Do they prevent murders? Huh? Oh, I get it. They say they prevent them by just throwing everybody in fucking jail. And hopefully the niggas you threw in jail is the niggas that was going to murder and rob. So that's how... No, 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 no. No. You know how cops solve cases for the most part? Snitches. You know how they find out who did what? Snitches. Other niggas who don't want to go to jail. So you bring them in the goddamn room and you pressure them to tell them somebody else to make his situation better. Boom. Your case is solved. So what are y'all actually doing? I know you see TV with all the police work and they're going over that clue and going over that clue. But the first 48 to tell you, if you don't solve that shit in 48 hours, you're going to have some problems. And how do they typically solve it within 48 hours? A nigga snitching. It don't be no great ass cop work. So we need to reevaluate. Do we need a level of policing in society as a whole? Sure. But I would say if you look at other countries, I can't really think of the ones in my head right now, but other countries who don't have guns, like they show up to whatever situation it is with a billy club and a good idea, goddammit. <laughs> they don't show up with guns, but the crime rate is lower. In my opinion, if you militarize an area, 
if you bring hella tanks and hella armed officers, to me, that infuses more of a criminal element. That makes people say, fuck it, I'm gonna do this, or fuck it, I'm gonna do that, opposed to showing up with love. Like, that shit may sound corny, but if you show up to a situation and somebody know you there to help them, if somebody know you there to really defuse the situation, the chances of you getting fucked up, the chances of some violence taking place is a lot less likely. You know what I mean? So when we talk about po politics from this aspect, when we talk about Biden, when we talk about Trump, M melanated family, look at the real shit, man. Look at look at what these people have really done for us. I seen a, a homeboy of mine show me a video today of a brother, because he's one of these people who believe Trump is right for America. And it's a video of this brother talking about how Trump being voted in, Trump cleaned out the swamp, quote unquote, which basically means corrupt politicians, pedophiles, uh, white men in power who don't mean us no harm or who don't mean us no good. He's taking the liberty of getting rid of these guys. He's taking the, the liberty of, of ousting these guys out of his cabinet or whatever the case may be. He is, uh, uh, black folks didn't like Black folks like Trump before he was getting, before he was the president, we would have him in our music videos. We would, we would reference him in our rap songs. Some of that is true. But in my opinion, we referenced him in rap songs. We talked about Trump. He was a status symbol of success in this country, which he is a successful man. But at that time, many people just didn't look into the fuck shit he's represented. And in my opinion, he is a racist white man. If you look at his family history, if you look at his parents' ideology about black people, when you look at, to me, his rhetoric has been racist rhetoric. When you support the, the extermination of five young black men, which he did with the Central Park Five, that's a racist move, family. To use your power to subjugate another group of people that makes you racist. Trump used his power as president to, I'm sorry, his, 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 his power as a rich man in this country in the 1980s to put out billboards, to put out newspaper articles, to arrest these young five black men who meant him no harm, right? These black men were innocent. These black men spent years and years upon years in prison the discriminatory ways he's ran his business when it came to housing and things of that nature. Now, people will say, if you want to protect your, your, your rental property, you shouldn't rent to Section 8 people neither. Or you shouldn't rent to low-income people neither. And I have to say, there may be some truth in that, but if you look at the man's history, I'm thinking, no, that, that, that's more or less based on the color of the people. And his rhetoric, saying there's good people on both sides, tweeting confederate shit saying that the confederate monument shouldn't be brought down i question anybody who says a statue of a racist white man should be in any city in america i don't care how you look if you for that then you're not for me you know what i mean so when he talks about defunding the police when he talks about them against us he's talking about black folks so i whether you think he's racist or not whether you think Biden is racist or not, which I do 100%, I don't trust them motherfuckers. So who going to start a relationship with somebody they don't trust? So Biden is shitting on me. Trump is pissing on me. And you telling me to pick which one I like? Shit or piss? I don't like either, motherfucker. I don't like either. So I'm not voting for either one of them. As of today, 
I'm not voting for either one of them. Fuck both of your plans for black America. I need to see this shit instituted, right? Now, now look, if Trump, I'll be the first one to apologize. I'll be the first one to come on here and say I was wrong. If I see him do substantial shit for the black, not placating us, not just some Band-Aid shit. You putting Band-Aids on really large problems. And black folks looking at that like, oh, he's, he's helping HBCUs. Look, I wish more of us went to HBCUs, but the, the reality of it is a lot of black folks don't go to HBC, uh, HBCUs like that. So if you do put money in HBCUs, fine. How about you change public schools? How about you put money in the public schools and making it so it's not a situation where it's the money a public school gets is based on the tax dollars in the environment. So if I'm a black kid in a poor environment, by default, I'm going to have a school that's more fucked up. If I have a school that's more fucked up, my test scores might be lower. My test scores might be lower, then that may make me less likely to try to get into college, right? So we got... A whole bunch of issues we need to deal with in our community, y'all. And I don't see any of these politicians doing anything substantial to kind of combat this shit. Now, that's my opinion. You feel me? Now, last news story of the day. Last news story of the day. Now, recently, recently, uh, ex-NBA player, uh, NBA analyst Charles Barkley came out and basically said that when speaking about the case, well, first let me say this. In our society, we, as melanated people who consider ourselves like, I don't know if you want to say conscious or aware, whatever you want to say, right? We need to figure out a way on how to deal with black people, melanated people, who consistently go against us, right? So when we talk about the coon verbiage, that some of us use when describing somebody black who knowingly or unknowingly throws us under the bus or knowingly or unknowingly says things that's going to damage us as a whole. I definitely put Charles Barkley in that category. So we need to figure out a way. My personal opinion right now, ostracizing them may be the easiest method, meaning making sure that black people don't take them serious. But the unfortunate part is there's a lot of people, a lot of melanated people in our country who wouldn't be considered conscious, quote unquote, who only watch the news, who only watch TV and kind of take whatever they're being given from these platforms and hear to hear Charles Barkley, who basically said about the Breonna Taylor case, we shouldn't lump them all together. And as I just categorized for you, you can lump her with Amon Aubrey. You can lump her case with George Floyd because it was mishandled by the police departments that are paid to serve us. They're not serving us. They're not helping out what's in our best interest. That didn't happen in the, Bre the, the Breonna Taylor case. Charles, that didn't happen, right? He also went on to say that it's the case is different because the boyfriend shot at a cop. So here we go again with this bullshit. You have too much influence in our society. You have too big of a platform to look at all of the details. Now, what I'm thinking from hearing Charles Barkley talk now, from hearing him talk about the George Floyd shit, if you Google Charles Barkley and racism, every conversation he's had about racism has led back to black accountability. Yeah, we get wrong. Yeah, we get done wrong in this society. But black people have to be accountable. Black people have to start 
depending on themselves. And this is the problem with niggas who don't fuck with us. I, you mix in some true shit with a whole bunch of bullshit. You know what I mean? And again, let me be the first to say, there is nothing wrong with critiquing black people. There is nothing wrong with going against the grain when it comes to something all of us are moving towards and you think differently. There's nothing wrong with that. But the question is, is this out of love or you just don't give a fuck? See, from Charles, I'm be, I know for sure by everything he said, unless he's a completely different man in private, this shit ain't out of love. You don't even really give a fuck about us like that, Charles Barkley. You don't even really start. He sounds like a black man to me. Excuse me, they didn't, they didn't even really think about racism in that manner until you got on a platform. Now you got to start thinking about it. But it would do you a great service, my G, if you read a little bit. If you took time. I know you got time. You got money and shit. Take time to read about some of our misfortunes. Like the history of some of our misfortunes so you won't sound so fucking stupid. Right? Because to say the man shouldn't have shot in the house, an intruder was coming in his house. I don't give a fuck if you had a warrant or not. If you don't announce yourself as police, I'm shooting too. Who wouldn't shoot? Charles. Right? And look, over the past like five or six years, I think TNT has attempted to help get this nigga foot out of his mouth. How so? I think in like 2014, they had a series called American Race. He had another series called Race Card. So these are shows designed to shed a light on racism in America, but the problem is they got Charles Barkley as the moderator and this nigga don't really know shit about shit. So on this American race show, he's going to black churches, he's going to different communities, trying to have conversations about race. On one of them, he invited Richard Spencer, who's an all-out white supremacist, and you trying to have an intellectual conversation with a motherfucker who hate black people. Now, of course, if you were qualified, Charles, if you were qualified to have these conversations, then maybe that'll be a little bit different. If you were qualified to speak on this shit, just based on you, I don't mean like you gotta be some high political figure or you gotta be this extremely conscious person. Just read a little bit, family. Read a little bit. But that's not the case with Charles because every time he comes down on us, the, the George Floyd shit, the George Zimmerman shit, he got on TV and said, I didn't see nothing wrong with George, what, what, what George Zimmerman did. You see what I'm saying? Now, many people in our society Black people in our society are hell on men who date outside of their race. Now, as long as you lay down with that white woman and you get up attempting to empower black people, I don't have a problem with your race. Or I don't have a problem with you dating outside of our race. I don't have a problem with it. As long as you understand the empowerment of your people comes before any relationship you in. Like real shit, right? But... When you look at Charles Barkley and you look at all the comments he's made over the years, it kind of makes you feel like maybe because of his white wife, because of white circles he's in, because of him being so far removed from anything that we've had to go through as a people, his attitude is, I'm on their side. His attitude is, black folks just need to pick themselves up by their bootstraps. He's talking about black on black crime when white people kill each other 84% of the time as well. Right. So all of these arguments, you can link those arguments back to some systematic endeavor that attempted to cut us at the knees so we can be disenfranchised right now. Yes. Should we be accountable as black people? You're goddamn right. Should we make the best effort possible to raise our families and to be there for our kids and to work good job? All this shit. Yes. 
but to ignore the systematic injustices that we've had to face since slavery, there has been political policies meant to disenfranchise us up until today, right? So there hasn't really been a 10, 20 year span in America where there hasn't been some policy on the books meant to disenfranchise people of color. Now, of course, some black people have found their way through this maze, right? They, they found their way through this maze to be successful. Then they look back at all of us and say, see, I did it. You could do it. Nah, nigga, you got lucky. You got lucky. Uh, a lot of black people that come from the neighborhoods we come from do not have the wherewithal to avoid the pitfalls set up by this system. And that's just real shit. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I'm going to continue to call Charles Barkley a coon and any other black man who knowingly or unknowingly throws us under the bus without doing their research. I don't mind you critiquing anybody. Nobody is beyond reproach. But when you constantly make it seem as if we are the primary problem for our dysfunction, I'm not fucking with that. You see what I'm saying? So, man, if you can hear the sound of my voice, disregard Charles Barkley. Disregard Charles Barkley. Anything he says and any man like him, make sure you tell your kids, make sure you tell your, make sure you tell your family members, disregard what this nigga say because he don't mean us no good. And, and again, his rhetoric can be damaging because you can have black people on the fence, black people who haven't necessarily done their due diligence on history and things of that nature, they could be on the fence and like Charles Barkley because he is a good because he he is a good analyst. He was a great basketball player. So because of his influence, because of who he's been in society, people will listen to him and say, okay, maybe he's telling the truth. Maybe that's no. He's not right. He's not correct. And he don't mean no good to the black community at large. And to me, also, if you a black man who is gonna be ultra critical then to me, your criticism has to match your work. So you need to point to me, Charles. Instead of giving some money here to HBCUs here, money to HBCUs there, he's helped build up the college he went to, the, the high school he went to. All that shit is fine and dandy. But what have you done to build the actual black community you're from? What have you done to build the black community at large? When have you went on a platform and spoke about us unapologetically? See, a lot of these niggas get on TV and have these different positions where they feel like, okay, I say the shit that's happening to us is wrong, but I got to end it with we doing it to ourselves. You know what I mean? And that's an age-old trick that I'm getting tired of seeing from these grown-ass men. Nigga, you 50-something years old, and this is how you think? Another thing, you don't got to say shit. Do you know that? Just because you black on TV, if you don't know about the situations, if you haven't done your due diligence on the situations, I would prefer you to be quiet, to not say nothing. Nigga, no comment is a smart comment. Now, now again, sometimes silence speaks volumes, but you can't be so damaging with your tongue, man. Because he talk about all this shit, about what we should be doing as a community, what black men need to be doing as a community. Charles, let me hip you up to something, family. If you wasn't rich... If you wasn't rich, if you didn't have money, do you see how you sound, family? Do you see how you articulate? Let's, let's keep it fucking real. In this white man's world, do you see how you articulate yourself? Do you see how you come across, nigga? If you didn't have money or fame or influence, you would get laughed at. If you was a construction worker in your hometown of Alabama, then white folks would hate your ass. You come across extremely ignorant, extremely niggerish. But because you got money and influence, you get a pass. And you feel, because you've been in these circles with other motherfuckers that got money and influence, you can now talk down to us. I'm not dealing with none of that. So fuck him too. You know what I mean? All right, so 
that's it for the news stories, family. Now, quick topic for the day. This is what I want to talk about with the family. So, recently, um, many of you are familiar with Vlad TV and his platform. Vlad TV is a, a web is a there's a website and a YouTube page that basically interviews black celebrities, black rappers. He gets, he is getting in, he has gotten into recently interviewing different mob figures and important people from the culture, but primarily the black culture, right? Primarily the black culture, right? Now, on July 4th, Minister Louis Farrakhan did a speech like he does every July 4th about the state of the black people, what we should be doing who we should be looking out for, all these different things, right? Now, during this speech, he made a comment about a particular Jew. He made some disparaging remarks about a particular Jew, not Jewish people in, in totality, but he was speaking about a specific person and why, should, and why we should be aware of this particular person. Now, Vlad, while doing an interview with D.L. Hughley, I'm not even sure why he brought this shit up, but while doing an interview with D.L. Hughley, he brought up this statement and he misquoted the minister. He made it sound like the minister said all Jewish people opposed to this one particular person. Now, in our society, when someone comes out and says something wrong, the typical way that you rectify that wrongdoing is by apologizing, right? So, Vlad has what I consider conscious and aware brothers that are always on his show, like Lord Jamal, Godfrey, uh, my son. These are all men who have claimed to be his friend, quote unquote, right? So these gentlemen went to Vlad and told him, hey, um, your rhetoric was divisive, and the only way to really fix this is to apologize, right? Now what Vlad did is Vlad released a statement basically saying he misquoted the minister, the segment that was used when he misquoted him has been removed, but he refused to apologize. Now, when I seen his statement about removing the footage and all these things, I thought to myself, well, for me, that will suffice. The fact that he acknowledged that he did something wrong, that will suffice, right? But then when I look deeper into the situation, and when Godfrey and Lord Jamal mentioned they had a conversation with the brother and they basically told him he should apologize, he mentioned, for one, he said, well, I'll apologize if he does an interview with me. That's some whole shit right there. That's basically saying you need clicks and views just to apologize to, to this man. And then the kicker for me, excuse me, the, the, the kicker for me was he basically said, I'm not going to apologize because of past comments that the minister, this is what he alluded to, because of past comments that the minister has said, because of basically his opposed anti-Semitism, which is the label, <coughs> excuse me, which is the label everybody puts on you if you say anything negative about Jewish people, but you can say whatever the fuck you want about black people when there's no backlash, but whatever, right? So he said because of past things that that minister said about anti-Semitic, the past things that the minister, the minister had said about Jewish people and whatever the case may be, right? Keeping in mind that Vlad is an atheist and a non-practicing Jew. He's not a Jew like that. Those just his people, right? So it was like a light bulb went off in my head. I said, oh, okay. So what he's saying is, 
regardless of what you niggas is going through, Jewish people is my people. And if you say something about Jewish people, I'm going to be on code. If you say something about Jewish people, I'm going to be on code with my people. You see what I'm saying? That's basically what he said, right? So then I got to thinking like, wow. So you allow these black men to come on your platform and say whatever they want to say about black women, say whatever they want to say about gangs, say whatever they want to say about crime culture. You allow them to disrespect black people at every turn. But once you get in a situation where you have to apologize for your disrespect, you say, no, I'm riding with my people on code against you niggas, right? And Vlad and Lord Jamal was on the phone with him, basically told him, hey, look, we finna do a show about you and come out and say, we're not fucking with you no more if you don't do this. He was like, I don't care. My, my, my numbers last month was pretty high, so I'm good. So look, y'all, for me, because I was a fan of Vlad. Even though people would tell me, look, why he asking these young dudes all these questions? This is all propaganda. Why is he using these slanderous tactics to get information? I would defend the dude. Like, no, nah, these niggas is going on there talking themselves, which I still agree with that. Like, he ain't making nobody say nothing. You ain't got re to reveal shit. You can say next comment. You can say next question. You can, review, you can refuse to talk to the nigga if you wanted to. Like, that's real. But I'm like, oh, okay, I see. So when it comes to protecting your people you all for it but you're in this culture where you're profiting and making money off of black folks like there's no way around that so when we talk about these different monikers that have been thrown around for white men who infiltrate our systems and use it for their gain without giving nothing back culture vulture uh uh uh, uh different different titles like that we got to look at vlad and we got a, there's a whole list of people that we need to ostracize from our community. If we need to start with Vlad, that's fine. But we got a lot of people in our community that are simply making money off of us without giving shit in return. And I remember another thing that drew a red flag for, for, uh, for me is somebody asked Vlad, well, what do you do for the black community? You make 90% of your money off of black pain and dysfunction. What do you do for the black community? He basically said, shit, I create documentary style interviews that people will be able to look at 20, 30 years from now to chronicle the cult. Nah, nah, you make money off of that. That's something that's going to pay you. How does that help us? It doesn't help us. You see what I'm saying? So if we going to get rid of Vlad, now a culture vulture or a person that comes into the community and means us no good, that just ain't somebody white family. That could be somebody black too. So we need to get on the same, the reason why I'm talking about this is because we need to get on the same accord when it comes to all these motherfuckers. Anybody who comes into our community that doesn't mean us any well, we need to ostracize their ass. And the problem is, we've been used to it for so long, we've been used to whoever coming in, coming in, coming in our community, slumming it up with us, niggering it up with us, we so welcoming as African people that we accept them into the fold, they take what they want from our culture, then bounce, i.e., Marky Mark and the Funky Bunch, so Mark Warburton was the same kind of way, i.e. Justin Timberlake, i.e. Uh, 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 Justin Bieber. All these dudes, when it was cool to be black, they was on some black shit. But they can wake up one morning, wash themselves off, get a little crew cut, now they back to being a white boy. You see what I'm saying? While we still left with all the dysfunction and all the bullshit they left behind. You see what I'm saying? So, 
I was watching Vlad, I will no longer watch him again. If he don't want to apologize for what he said about the minister, even though I'm not going to say I'm a, the, the biggest proponent of the nation of Islam. Like, I, I have some issues with different things they've done in the past. But at the end of the day, the minister is one of our elders who have spoken truth to power for our community for years. Like, all the details of what he does for our community, what he does in the NOI, all of this shit about Malcolm X. Right now, that's neither here nor there. We can deal with that behind closed doors. But the bottom line is, you talk shit about one of our elders, and it's with malicious intent. Like, if you see how he read the article, how he was reading it to DL, that's malicious intent to me. So you're kind of using us to get what you want. And I've watched Vlad a lot, right? And when black issues come up, he supports us. He overly supports us, right? He overly supports the cops getting charged in the Breonna Taylor case and George Floyd shit and all this shit. And now I'm beginning to see you just placating us, family. You just doing that shit because you know if you came out and said, I don't think these cops should be charged, you're going to lose half your viewership. You know what I mean? So he mentioned to Lord Jamal and Godfrey that he doesn't think this is going to affect his bottom line. And I hope we're able to rally around each other to say, fuck this dude and anybody else we need to do that to. To kind of get rid of these elements in our culture that don't mean us no good. And he's one of them. That I realize now that he's one of them. So as much black shit as I talk, as much empowerment as I talk, I'll be a fool to still be down with that dude after, figure, after realizing how he really feels about us. And family, we need to get to a point that we're willing to do that to anybody in our society. Anybody in our society who does not mean black people well, who obviously is just using us, or obviously... Um, or going against our sensibilities, we need to be able to say, fuck that motherfucker. And this can be a music executive, this can be a sports agent, this can be uh, uh, just somebody in daily life, and no matter who it is, we need to be willing to rally together to say, I'm not gonna allow anybody to come into our community and mistreat us, and then leave it worse than they came. You know, leave it worse than when they arrived. You know what I mean? Fuck that shit. And that goes for Vlad or any other white man, even if it's a black dude who come in our community, use us for music or whatever his intent is, and don't do shit for our community. We need to be staunch on the fact that, nah, I'm not accepting that. See, we get too convoluted with entertainment and music and having fun and all these shit that don't really matter once it's once, once at the end of the day, none of, none of that shit really matters. Not to me, at least. You see what I'm saying? So we need to learn how to rally around each other and say, fuck whoever that may be. Like, Vlad is a small microcosm of, a, of, of, of bigger issues that we have, but it's time for us to stick together. You know what I'm saying? So this has been another episode, man, of the Melanated Convo Podcast. I want to thank everybody for tuning into the show. It's been another great episode. Again, you can find this show at Melanated Fathers TV on YouTube. You can find this show on Spotify. You can find this show everywhere podcasts are. You can definitely find the show there. If you haven't checked out the website lately, man, please do so. That's MelanatedFathers.com. That's MelanatedFathers.com is the actual website. If you haven't been there in a while, go there. The show will be there as well, right? So on the website, you can find articles about parenting. You can find news stories impacting our community. You can find a History Matters section that talks in detail about the different things we go through in our community um, and the history of things that have happened in our community, people, places, and things. There's a book of the month on the website. There's videos of different shows on the website. So it's a complete hub for the black family to get information to get inspiration and to get empowerment so please check out the website like i said if you're watching this on youtube hit subscribe 
uh, hit like on the video, share it, share it, share it, so we can get this thing popping as much as we can. I want to thank everybody who continue to follow me, who send me email about the content. This is like a thankless job. I'm getting to a point where, um, you know, I'm trying to figure out ways to make money from it or whatever, but I'm just intensely passionate about helping my people. And all of us should be that way, regardless of how I need to, right? I don't want to create this thing where all we're doing is talking about race and we're painting racism with this broad brush. But family, when you look at a lot of these situations, that's really the only recourse I can find is that it's racism. You feel me? So take care, family. I love y'all. Melanated family. I'm out.